Good morning. <clears throat> excuse me, I've been using my voice a little bit too much, so do excuse me if I cough a little bit. But it's good to see everybody. I hope you're all in good spirits. I hope you're all well. We are seeming, it seems to me that we had no rain for the winter, so they decided to give, it to, all of, to give it to all of us in spring. My goodness me, there's some rain out there. Now, we're going to start a little mini-series. Um, it's called Coming Home. <clears throat> and over the next two weeks, I just want to unpack a few things that uh, God's been showing me about this. It's interesting, I, I was watching a program on television and it's Davina McCall, she, you know, they find long lost uh, parents and children and they bring them back together again. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I was watching the program and a mother was meeting her daughter after, I don't know, 20, 20 well, 40 years. And it, as I was watching, I just felt God spoke to me and say, coming home, do a series on coming home. And if you watch those pro- that program, you need to have your tissues with you because, you know, it's quite emotional. And I know Linda and I were talking about it. I know it, it kind of really ministered to me because we all have this deep sense of wanting to belong. We all have this deep sense of wanting to come somewhere where we can feel safe, where we can be known and make ourselves known to others. We all want to come to this place where we know that we can come home and just be ourselves. And this series is looking at coming home. One of the things we say here at the Vineyard is, you know, welcome home. A place where you just feel, yeah, this is home. Now, I go to a number of churches to preach and all the rest of it, but this is home to me. When I come through the doors, I just relax. I know I can just be myself. So we're going to look at coming home and it's interesting you know because in the, the old testament the last verse of the old testament in malachi says this and he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers lest i come and smite the earth with a curse thank you so the last thing that god says is about the fathers and the sons coming home now we think about that in terms of physical mums and dads or fathers and sons, but it's also about us as his children coming home. We're going to look at a number of scriptures or two scriptures that I'm going to base this little series around. First one is in John's Gospel, chapter 1 and verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. Let me say something about this verse. I was praying one day and just, you know, going through my devotions, and this verse, this hit me, because one of the things the Lord showed me is that what he does by his spirit in our lives is he brings light and he brings life. And then I found this verse, that the life became the light of men. I'm going to unpack that for you. Because when God works in your life, he brings light, and that light brings revelation, that brings change, that brings life, that brings love. The other scripture we're going to look at is uh, Luke 15, and it's the prodigal son, and I'm going to talk through that. So over the two weeks, I'm going to cover these three points, these three things. When we come home, Amongst the many things that God does for us, 
These are the three things I want to draw to your attention. He's put in my heart for us. When we come home, he brings light, he brings life, and he brings love. And we're going to unpack those. And today we're just going to look at light because when I was preparing this, I thought I could do all three. Then I thought, no, Chris would beat me because I would run over time. <laughs> so we're going to do light this week and then next week we'll do life and love. So let's look at light. Luke 15, the prodigal son. The story, this is how it goes. The son goes to his father and asks the father for his inheritance. Later on, you will see what a horrible thing he's actually done in asking his father for that, because in fact, he's asked in doing that in Eastern culture, you might, you might as well say to your dad, be dead. Anyway, he asks for his inheritance, and the father gives it to him. And what we read is that he goes out, and he has, in, and I think the scripture says, in wanton living. Well, let's unpack that, what that basically means. He, he spent his money on wine, women, and song. He had a good time and he spent it all. And then once the money was gone, all the friends were gone. And he was hungry. And we read that he went and attached himself to one of the uh, people of the city, of that area. And he was so broke that he had to, he would be happy to eat the pig swill that was actually in the pig swill itself. Things were that bad. Then we read that he came to himself. If you remember the story. He, I love that phrase. He came to himself or he came to his senses. And we read that he said this. In Luke 15, 17, he said this. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father, his father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. Now, here's a key point. There was a moment of revelation and an understanding of his condition. And the question I ask myself is, who was at work here to bring him to that stage? When in John 16, 8 to 10, we read this. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, in regard to sin because men do not believe in me, in regard to righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. So who's at work in this, in this young man? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is at work drawing him, convicting him. And you know something? When we're away from him, the psalmist said, where could I flee? from the Lord's presence. You know, even when you're in a dark place, God is there. And the Holy Spirit is working, drawing, convicting, challenging. For any parents who've got kids that are out there, 
the Holy Spirit's working in their lives. And you can trust God that wherever they are, even if they're far away, the Holy Spirit is working and, and drawing them to bring them to that place where they come to their senses. And as we can see here, the Holy Spirit worked in that young man. I know it's an allegory, but I'm taking it to bring him to that place where he came to his senses. With his senses. Now, here's an interesting thing. I, you know, over the many years that I've been a Christian, I've met with different brands of Christians. You know, you've got the, the, the conservative evangelicals, you've got the charismatics. And if you know about the vineyard, the vineyard was about the fight for the radical middle. If you know anything about the history of the vineyard, John Wimber and those who started the vineyard were conservative evangelicals. They believed in the gospel as we know it. But they also realized this, that there was a dimension of the spirit that was missing. Those reformed evangelicals loved the word. And in fact, what they did is they made the Bible, they replaced the, the Holy Spirit with the Bible. But John said, no, you know, there is a place for the work of the Holy Spirit in gifts and signs and wonders and miracles. As I was growing up, I always felt that, the, I thought that the work of the Holy Spirit was to re reveal the truth and the truth was in the Bible. So when I came to pray, when I came to read, it would say the Holy Spirit would teach me or show me the truth in his word. However, I've learned something a little different. In John 8, 13, it says, I have much more to say to you, much more than you can bear. But when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, what is this truth? Is this just truth about the Bible so that when you go into it and when you read it, you get more revelation? Yes, but it's more than that. It's more than that. You see, what happens is this. In your life and in my life, there are things that we live under as truth. Lies that have been given to us. Fears that have been given to us. And you know, the work of the Holy Spirit is this. He comes to reveal the truth about the lies that you and I live under. So if you believe that you are powerless in a certain situation and that powerlessness leads you to seek comfort in a way that is destructive to you, the Holy Spirit will come and show you the lie that you're not powerless. That when that person says that to you and tries to box you in and frame you and say, you can't do this because the Holy Spirit comes and shows you the truth that it's a lie. And the word of God comes and Paul in Ephesians says that the Spirit of God is working mightily within you. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in you. Therefore, you are not powerless. And as the truth of that begins to seep into your spirit and into your life and you choose to believe the truth and not the lie, 
So the truth sets you free. And that's a process. I won't mention it, but mention the person. But we were teaching the course, and this person said to me, well, I mumble. I said, well, who says? The person gets up, they speak, <laughs> and the tremendous job. So I said to them, I said, you know what? That's a lie. Isn't that right? It's a lie. Kate, you can speak. But she was living around this idea that somehow, and the truth set her free. The Lord wants to reveal the truth to you about who he is. Because you and I may be living under a lie that the Father is someone that you cannot approach. Now we know that the reason can, that can be is because of the relationship you may have had with your earthly father. But God isn't a broken parent. And one of the reasons why I promote the Restore course is it helps us to, re, to deal with these issues. Because many of us live under lies. Many of us are living under things that are, are not the truth about how God sees us. When you go to the Restore course, one of the things you will do is look at your relationships with your parents and your siblings. And through that, God will begin to bring some healing into your life. But more important, he will give you the tools that you need. So when you are impacted by lies or when you feel hurt, you will have the tools so that you can work through that. That's what the Restore course gives you. So I really would recommend that and commend that to you as someone has been on it and someone's still going through it. So, what are some of the lies we live under which need to be brought into the light? Let me do Luke 15, 19 again for you. I have sinned against heaven and against you. And here it is. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Here's one of the lies. I am not worthy to be called your son and daughter because. I felt that at times over some of the things that I've done. I'm sure that you have felt that at times that you are not worthy to be called his son or his daughter because. What's your because? Because I want to tell you this morning, it's a lie. Whatever it is that you have done in the past that you're still living under, it's a lie because the blood of Jesus cleanses from all sin once for all. And you don't have to live in the shadow of the past. And he said, I'm not worthy. Well, yes, there's truth in that. Well, of course, we're not worthy. But some of us, we've used that as an excuse not to enter into the ministry and calling that God has for our lives. We have marginalized ourselves because of our past, because we're not good enough. But you know something? It's just come to me. that When you look at the lineage of Jesus, I happen to be watching this program where there was this uh, aristocrat and the, the aristocrat was saying that, the lady said, what would happen if one of your sons or daughters was going to marry you know, ordinary folk? And he said, oh no, I, I don't think I'd be happy about that. I, you, know, I, you know, good begets good. 
I want good genes in my family, blah, blah, blah. And as he was saying it, I was thinking about Jesus' lineage. Because Jesus had prostitutes in his lineage. Rahab, Joshua, when they you know, came and in Joshua and in, in Jericho, Rahab was a, was a prostitute, but she's in the lineage of Jesus. I'm going somewhere, but I'll get back. Here's the point. <laughs> Just come to me as I'm preaching that. You know, the fact is that whatever your lineage is, Whatever is in it, whether it's good when you've got drunkards or vagrants or promiscuous people, whatever it is, the lie is that you're not going to be like them. That's the, that's the lie. Because Jesus deals with that. He can break that. He can cut it off. He can set you free. And you don't have to perpetrate the sins of your fathers. Because he can break all that generational stuff. So that you, and you, from your point onwards, there's a righteous line that goes on, right through. That your sons and your daughters serve God and become mighty men and women of God. Because of the action of the Spirit of God to bring the truth to you, that you, the past is in the past. Thank you. I'm ashamed of what I said or done. The next thing that keeps us there is shame. Started in the garden, Genesis chapter 3. What did we do when we sinned against God? We sowed fig leaves together and we hid because of shame. And shame keeps us from walking into the light. We're afraid of what other people will think. Shame makes us hide and run away just like Adam and Eve who devise strategies to cover their shame. Well, what action, what action did the prodigal son take which was key to his restoration? Well, we read here in Luke 15, 20. So he got up and he went to his father. He got up and he went to his father. Now, hmm. What do we do? What do when we sin, when we know we're not where we should be, do we run to the father and run to our brothers and sisters or do we then run in the opposite direction? I know my heart. I'm not looking forward to seeing, you know, if Linda Hall's walking towards me, I'm not in the right place. I'm not in looking forward to seeing her. But it's not true because I would actually. But you know it is. The last person you want to meet is a woman of God, 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 or a man of God, 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 when you know you're in sin, sin, sin. (laughs) Because of shame, we tend to run in the opposite direction from God and from each other. Now, we're going to deal with this. What does 1 John 1, 7 say? This is what it says. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and here it is, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So what is this walking in the light? It's confessing our sin, or the fact that we've been sinned against first to God. 1 John 1, 9 says, you know, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Those of you in the Church of England will understand that, okay? But that's the first bit, and most of us are pretty good at that. You know, we can confess our sins to God. It's the second bit. 
which is the one that really clinches it for me. Confessing our sin or the fact that we have sinned, been sinned against to one another. And you see, coming home should be a place where you can come to that one or those, to those people or persons who you know love you and will admonish you and care for you and you confess your sins to them and they pray for you and pronounce forgiveness over you. When you do that, you bring it into the light. And you know what? Here's something from my own walk. When I fall into sin, I ask God, why? What happened? What was the process? What was the trigger? What is it that you're trying to get to? Because friends, you see, it's not just about the fruit, it's about the root. So the goal is here, when you fall into sin, God wants to do something deeper in your life. Usually what we're doing is, oh, this sin, oh, I can't get up. And we, we think about the fruit. When God's saying, no, 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 son, I'm trying to get deeper in your life. Now, how you do it, son, is you get, first you bring it to me, and then you ask me for revelation, light, so you can see what the root is, and then you get along with someone, and they pray for you, and you journey through the issue. That's the process. So sin isn't such a bad thing. You know, God's not so worried about the sin. I know it sounds like heresy. He wants to get to the root of the sin. Most of us sin out of woundedness. We need comfort. We, need, we feel powerless. We've been emasculated, so we, we seek power in the wrong way. Or we withdraw. Or we're depressed. And, but deep down on it, that's why Jesus said, I came... To what? To bind up the brokenhearted, to comfort all those who mourning Zion. The gospel is about restoring you in spirit, soul, and body. Not just giving you information about the Bible. Truth. True truth is always the revelation as you work with the Holy Spirit. So you fall into something. The issue isn't just to stop the thing. The issue is to find out what the root is so that Jesus can work with you so that you can end with someone else because James, 1, James 5, 16 says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And it's not just physical healing. It's inner healing. And if you do it with someone else, you can journey together. And it makes for a church where people don't have to perform. It makes for a place that when you come home, you can relax. And yes, with certain people, you can let it all hang out and you know they're not going to beat you up they're going to admonish you, they're going to love you, they're going to pray with you, they're going to challenge you, and they're going to journey with you. It's good stuff, Linda, isn't it? <laughs> and journey with you until that final day when we see him face to face without spot or wrinkle, but we did it together. That's a healthy church. And coming home means you can come to a place like that and you can experience his light as he shows you things. The, the defeat that you may have experienced, the sin that so easily besets us, that weighs on you. Now, as you begin to ask God for a revelation as to why, and you begin to journey with him, he begins to show you why you do that in that particular situation. Why you respond like that. What's the wound? What's the hurt? What's the thing that's underneath it? And he helps you to become transparent and vulnerable. 
What does it take to walk in the light? One word, courage. It takes courage. You see, because we live in a society where everybody's about looking good. Life altogether. Winning. It's not about being vulnerable because we don't like that. Because, you know, to lead you must be vulnerable. You must be sure that you're the man of God. You know, look, friends, that is true. But you see, for us to walk this walk together in the light, it requires two things, to be transparent and to be vulnerable. And that takes courage because you can't do it if you don't know that you are loved and that you're secure. So you promote that you're on top all the time. We're not on top all the time. The prodigal had the courage to return home and make his confession. You would have been aware of the fact that leaving his father's house, as Henry Nguyen in his book, uh, The Prodigal Son, put it, was a heartless rejection of the home in which the son was born and nurtured, and a break with the precious traditional tradition carefully upheld by the larger community of which he was a part. So as he walked through those fields and he, towards the village, all the people would have known what he had done. But what I love in the story is that the father, to spare him the shame, runs to grab his son. That's why he ran, because he didn't want his son to go through the shame. He ran to his son to spare him that. The first step in coming home is when the Holy Spirit shines light, light into our lives so we begin to see the truth about our condition. That's one. The truth about our Heavenly Father. And all oh, the worship this morning was just so good. If only we knew in our hearts how much God loved us, loves us. I love that song. His love never fails, it never gives up, and it never runs out on us. His love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on us. His love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on us. Whew, that ministers to me. That ministers to me as I hope it does to you in your darkest moment. His love never fails. It never runs out. It never gives up on us. The truth about the lies and the fears that we live under that stop us from coming home and experiencing the embrace of the Father. I'm not worthy. It's not true. Yes, you're not worthy, but you're a son. You're a daughter. And the father, in that picture there, you see the hand of the father. It's, there's two hands. There's the hand of a mother and there's a hand of a father. There's a man's hand and there's a lady's hand, if you could see it, if you look at it closely. That's the father. He's both father and mother. And you can come home. And as the light shines in your life, it brings life as you come home. And next week, we're going to talk about love, the light and the love, the life and the love that comes out of the light. Coming home, if the band could come up, please. Coming home, you can receive his light, life, and love. For many of us, it's a time for us to overcome fear of rejection. And shame. 
and step into the light and experience a new sense of his love and affirmation. Please stand. You know, Luke in his gospel said this, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will the Father give you the Holy Spirit if you ask him? And you know, Paul also said that the love of God is poured out into our hearts by who? The Holy Spirit. And what God wants to do is bring light into your life, revelation, truth. And as you open yourself to the Holy Spirit, not as he, not, he's not just going to give you warm feelings. He's going to reveal to you some of the things and words that you've lived under which are not from God. He's going to break some of the false pictures that you have of the Father, which have hindered you from coming home. Some of you, because your earthly fathers have not come through for you, you think God's like that. Or God hasn't answered your prayers in the way that you wanted. I remember something that Andy said, you know, don't base your theology on your circumstances. Just because your circumstances are not where it is, it doesn't mean God hasn't come through for you. This thing I'm sure of, that God wants to minister to you, yes, love and comfort. And he wants to, as it were, let you know that you are precious to him. That he is a father and he receives his kids home. And whatever you've done, wherever you've been, there's grace and there's mercy for this time of need. So today, what I pray when we, you know, we have our time for prayer, that if you know you need to just come home to the Father, and I'm going to put it like this, you need to come home to Daddy, then come home. And just as in that picture, the Father receives you. If you've come to your senses and you just know it's time, then don't harden your heart, but come home. And the Father will receive you. You'll receive the grace that you need, the mercy that you need, the compassion that you need, the tenderness that you need. And he gives it in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That's our Father. That's our God. He wants to give you light. He wants to give you life. And he wants to give you love.